Hey guys, it's Tony, producer of VetSpeak, and I want to let you know about one of our sponsors, and that's DDPY. DDPY is yoga, traditional fitness, dynamic resistance, and sports therapy combined to give you the ultimate workout plan. And guess what? DDP is giving all veterans 50% off forever. That's right, guys. From here to the end of time, DDP is taking care of you, the veteran, by giving you 50% off the app and 50% off all DVDs. So what do you get from DDPY? Well, you get a kick-ass cardio workout, you increase your flexibility, you strengthen your core muscles, and you experience almost no joint impact. So you may have heard about some of the celebrities going around using DDPY, like Darius Rucker from Hootie and the Blowfish, Chris Jericho, AJ Styles, and comedian Gabriel Iglesias. But maybe you don't know that he's been helping veterans since the beginning, like Arthur Borman, who previously walked with crutches and leg braces. Now he's doing complete headstands all by himself, thanks in part to DDPY. So go to ddpyoga.com and sign up today. Click the drop-down box, select VetSpeak, and let them know you heard it right here first. I want to tell you about another sponsor we have at Next Level Martial Arts and Fitness in Tigard, Oregon. They partnered with Mission 22 and VetSpeak to help end the veteran suicide epidemic. And you know what? They also want to help veterans and their families find a healthy and exciting activity that they can enjoy. So what are they doing? They're offering discounted rates and scholarships for veterans. Because they believe that physical fitness, coupled with the discipline and camaraderie that comes with training in martial arts, can assist veterans and people of all backgrounds in dealing with depression, anxiety, PTSD, and other associated issues. So give them a call, 503-443-1599, or check them out online, www.nextlevelmartialartsgym.com. That's www.nextlevelmartialartsgym.com. This is Nate Rock Corey bringing you VetSpeak. I want to thank Receptor Naturals, ReceptorNaturals.com, for giving me the CBD medication that I've been using that's really helped change my life, get me off of some of the opioid prescriptions I've been on for the past several years. And now I'm back in the gym training in jiu-jitsu, 100% thanks to ReceptorNaturals.com. And of course, I am your zombie cage fighter, zombiecagefighter.com. You can get a free PDF of my comic book, my biographical horror story. It speaks of my life as a fighter and as a single father at the time, plus zombies. How can you go wrong with that? And now, without further ado, let's speak. Welcome to another episode of Vet Speak. I'm your host, Nate Rock Quarry. Today, I'm honored to have my friend, my training partner, veteran Marcus Daniels here speaking. We had some new headsets we were going to use for this episode, but unfortunately, my computer won't allow me to use two USB ports at once, and I don't have a splitter, and Marcus is here, so we're using the old school microphone, so excuse the echoing, but without further ado, here's Marcus. What do you want to tell me about your time in military service? Hey, what's up, Nate? Thank you for having me on here. Um, it's been, it's been, a, I had a great time in the military, and uh, yeah, I did over over twenty one years. But uh, life has been. And tell me your your rank, how you started, where you ended, all that stuff, and, and what branch. Okay. Uh, well, I. <laughs> so, mom retired, started first class. Uh, I was in the United States Army. I joined the Army as an infantry airborne ranger, um, and I, I did my, my time at Fort Benning, Georgia, moved up to Fort Lewis, uh, was a part of uh, the 2nd Ranger Battalion up there, and then I moved to uh, the 25th Infantry. I spent some time as a recruiter uh, for the Army, but I also uh, spent some time as a Special Operations recruiter, and I ended my service in Fort Bragg, uh, North Carolina, teaching army combatives to uh for the 18th airborne corps 
And so that's a portion of, of how, uh, how my career went out. And, um, and so, you know, some of the things that I, I, I did want to come in and talk to you today is, a, is definitely about, you know, about, you know, stuff that you normally don't want to bring up while you're in the military, just because, you know, there is reprisal, even though they say there's not, even though they say everybody has an open door policy, there really isn't. It's either, it's a, it's a guarding and protecting, it's almost political in a way, you know, as to, as to how you want your career to run. And just like with any job, I mean, it's just a job. You know, the Army was just a job for me. It was superstar easy, you know. It was fun. It was exciting. Uh, where else, you know, could you get paid to stay in shape? And so um, that's the way that I looked at it. I, I took a different approach from the military. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot of things that, you know, that in my head that I want to bring out. And I don't want to highlight all the negative per se, but I just want to talk about some, some factors that, you know, that could make the military more efficient. Um, and, you know, definitely within certain, certain aspects of the military more efficient and, uh, and just, you know, just allow it to flow freely. Um, so I don't really have an agenda. You know, I, I, I'm not used to just flowing with it. Normally, I'm just saying, ask me a question. I'll tell you whatever you need to know, you know, that's kind of stuff. And, uh, I think that's just a product of my environment, but, uh, in starting off, you know, let, let's start off with, you know, I spent some time as a recruiter, so I understand it. You know, um, when people go to join the military, I, I think, you know, very there's a very select few, probably maybe 1% of people that do join the military that join the military because that's what they thought about doing. You know, they've grown up. I, they played, instead of playing cops and robbers, they played, you know, soldier and infidel, you know. <laughs> you know, and so... And so, you know, that, there's, there's a select, there's that kid, you know, everybody knows that kid that was always wearing, like, you know, combat boots or wearing army fatigues, you know, going to school and stuff like that. And that dude was designed to go to the military, at least so he thought. And, um, but then you have your other people. I mean, you, you got desperation. You know, some people join the, the military out of desperation. You know, they're desperate because of their, you know, circumstances. Uh, they grew up in the wrong side of the neighborhood. The judge told them, hey, you go to war, go to jail, that kind of stuff. And, you know, so they, they, jo- they choose to join the military they effed off in school you know they didn't do too well and um that was a last minute choice you know and and that's unfortunate because a lot of guys that join the military are for you know last minute ideas last minute reasons um and then you know again some some kids have you know have families young and they don't know what to do with it and the military has great benefits you know, so they join the military for that great benefits situation. And, you know, as far as great benefits, you know, you're looking at, okay, I get a steady paycheck day to day. I get trained in a job. You know, um, I get education money. Well, the Army's giving out bonuses right then and there. And, you know, those are, and all those are reasons that people join, but I don't think they're the greatest of all reasons. Uh, uh, you never want to do anything in life out of desperation. But, you know, unfortunately, the Army is there for people that have you know that need to be saved i guess you know but then you look at it um you know then 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 there's those people that join for inspiration you know like 9-11 kicks off boom i'm inspired you know let me join the military because i want to fight for my country you know that kind of stuff you know uh patriotism is a is a big thing and you know um i'd hate to say it from a sales point of view but it's it's a (laughs) it's a it's, it's one of those points where, you know, people can, you know, get into it. But a lot of the success that I've seen in the military comes from those people who have an idea of what they want to get from the military. And, you know, they, they know firsthand before they join the military what they want to receive from the military. And then they join and they go and get it. And that's their singular focus while they get it. I've had a couple, I've helped a couple guys 
studs fresh out of college get into the military and they told me hey Marcus this is what I want to do I want to be you know x y and z can you help me out? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. I can help you out, you know, and this is the route that you need to take. These are the things that you need to do. And these are the people like, you know, one thing that I think that during my time as a recruiter, you know, um, and that's how I met you. And, you know, that's how I was able to, you know, train out here in Portland. You know, I was, you know, the army sent, made me a recruiter and sent me to Portland, Oregon. And I'm like, okay, which was probably the best thing that the army ever did for them, you know, is to, to make me a recruiter because that's, you know, one of my strengths, even though I, I love to fight and I love to run, I love to stay in shape, you know, you know, one of my other gifts is I love people, you know, I love talking to people, I love finding out about people, and that's one of the reasons why I was so successful at that, even though I hated the job every single day, you know, like, and, you know, when you think of recruiter, you think of car salesman, you think of, you know, somebody that's going to, you know, just trick you into giving you, you know, what you, you know, air, you know, trick you into getting a, a crappy job in the military, you know, just to meet a number, you know, um, but I definitely, that definitely was not me. And, you know, I think that because of the background that I had that, that helped me out. But anyways, back to the, back to the point, you know, I've seen some guys come in that knew exactly what they wanted to do and they're thriving in the military. And so I, I love that aspect of it. Um, and I love the fact that I was able to help them find what they want to do. And I still keep in contact with a lot of the guys right now. A lot of my old soldiers, a lot of the people that I put in the military, and that's great. So inspiration or desperation, those are a couple reasons why, why, the people, why people join the military. But what does that breed? You know what I mean? What does that breed? Like when you have those people that join the Army or military, I keep saying Army, but I'm going to focus on the military because it's all branches. You know, it mm-hmm. impacts all branches. And so... You know, when they join for desperation, well, that's brief. Well, you know, you you join the military to to get away from your problems. But what in, what happens up happening is they end up bringing their problems into the military, and and then when those problems get brought into the military, this is where my problem comes. You know, because you know. I don't think as an institution, the military is an uh, opportunity for you know to to correct people's issues. I think it's for a healthy mentality, for a healthy person that comes into the military, they can receive everything that they need to need to, to receive from the military. But then at that point, they can give. They're able to give and serve more. Um, I mean, the Army has, you know, their little Army Values acronym, leadership, you know, talks about loyalty, duty, respect, honor, uh, selfless service, honor, integrity, and personal courage. And those are the values that we expect all soldiers to have. But, you know... In a lot of instances, if a soldier doesn't come comes from a, a low income environment or an environment that wasn't conducive to them having uh, good values or anything like that, for example, I grew up in you know a portion of my life in a third world country. Uh, I'm you know uh, my mom's uh, a first generation you know U.S. national from American Samoa, and you know she joined the military. Uh, my dad's from the south, and you know he. He joined the military, so guess what? The only thing I knew is I knew what my parents do, you know, and that's to go join the military. And, um, you know, I don't want the same thing for my kids. I definitely don't want the same thing for my kids, but what I want for them is to, you know, is to figure out what they want to do in life. But anyways, my example that I had is they taught me to go to the military. Now, both my parents did an administrative job. And so for me, being rebellious... And, and rebellious in life, rebellious in nature. I wanted to do something totally different. So when they said join the military, I said, okay, how about I told, I told my mom I was going to go be in the dental field. 
And then uh, and then she said, she's like, okay. So she signed off on my paperwork, and then boom, I go back and I tell the tell the guidance counselor that I sat down with, and uh, I told him, I was like, hey, look, man, give me the hardest job you got. And so he said, hey, how about you go to the infantry? And he didn't trick me. Nobody tricked me. I asked for all this stuff. You know what I mean? I asked for it, you know. And, and that's what I tell, you know, that's what I would tell people. I was like, dude, nobody's going to trick you here. You're going to get what you want. I promise you dirt. I promise you're going to be dirty. I promise you you're going to be tired. I promise you might get to throw a grenade here and there. You might get to shoot a gun here and there. But, you know, for the most part, it's crap. You know, <laughs> it's fun, but it's crap, you know. And if you're not, if you're not ready for it, if you're not, you know, yeah, and they end up loving it. But anyways, so talking about once you get into the military, you know, we're talking about, you know, like like fixing people's issues. And this is a this is the biggest problem I think that the military has is that a lot of people come into the military with a broke mindset already, you know, when it comes to when I say broke, I don't just mean financially or you know, but I mean like a broke or lack of abundance mindset, they, they come into the military wanting to take from what the military has to offer, you know. And they're wanting to receive something without understanding that in order to, you know, really truly receive that you have to give, you know, you have to give something. You have to give a portion of yourself. You have to give your physical fitness. You have to give your, your smarts, your mentality, your intelligence, your, you know, your compassion. You know, that's a big thing that, you know, they don't see in the military um, is compassion. You know, a lot of times when people join the military is for structure and for discipline and for, you know, um, institutionalization, you know, because let's be real, like if you, you know, shooting blank, you know, shooting pot shot all over the place, if you don't have that set structure and guidance, well, you know, you can't achieve any kind of mission. And it's that mission mindset that, you know, that a lot of people look for, you know, and then honestly, it helped me out. You know, I, and like I said, I was that kid that was, you know, lack of guidance. I loved to fight, even even at 15, 16 years old, the product of my my environment. I loved to fight, you know, and so, yeah, that got me to the point of of where I'm at. And so, um, going back to it, you know, kids, you know, like they need the structure, they need the help, they need to find their voice, they need to find their strength, you know, but they. A lot of times people aren't finding it till later on in life. And I guess I assume that's the way that's the way it is for everybody uh, and other things. But I can only talk about the military and because that's all I've known for 21 years is the military. Um, Well, it seems to me that uh, in this day and age, kids really don't have a reason to become adults. They're not they're not finding this uh, this overwhelming desire. They're not out defending their village from marauders. They're not working really hard in the fields to provide food for their family. So many times people are able to just kind of creep into adulthood just by number only. I, I remember a story that I, I read back in middle school or high school or something about this this Mexican family. And this was, you know, I don't know when, 1920 or something like that. And every day the boy would come home and tell his mother, mama, today I'm a man. And she'd say, you are not a man. And every day, mama, today I'm a man. No, you're not a man. Well, then he gets in a fight at a bar and kills another man. And he goes back home and his mother tells him, today you are a man. You need to act like one. You need to face your consequences. You need to deal with these issues. And that's, you know, a, a bizarre 
consequence-driven thing to becoming an adult. But so many people, they, they just skate through life. And it seems like the military really gives people an opportunity. You're, you're now responsible not only for yourself, but for your squad with your fellow soldier. If, if you're in a firefight, it's not just your life. It's a, your person next to you. And you find out really quickly who you are. For me, that was fighting. I found out. And, and that's the big reason why I got into fighting. If I take one punch, am I going to drop and, and cry like a baby or will I fight till I have nothing left? And it was a good, I think, five fights before I was really tested to the point where I, I learned, oh, yeah, you can beat on me all day. I'm going to stay here. And I think that's exactly what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. And you're right. And, you know, I, I, I kind of like that story, you know, because, yeah, you, you never know until you're tested, until you're put into a circumstance where you have to. And, you know, like... Again, the military is very structured in that in that discipline. Like basic training is very structured. We have a set program that everybody has to go through in order to get to that point uh, of, of proving yourself. But a lot of times, people, you know, again, you can fake it till you make it until you get to that point. Just like you know, a lot of men, and we just talk about men. Period. Go through life faking it, you know, thinking that they're a man um, when they're not really performing or doing the things that men should be doing. And so, yeah, and what I love, here's what I love. Here's one of the reasons why I, I went uh, the route that I did in the military is because, because of the higher, because of the elite level status, because of there's one, one thing that got me through everything, got me through the rest of my time uh, in the military. And, and honestly, in fighting, it's one of the things I used to say before a lot of my earlier fights, you know, I used to say the Ranger Creed. And so without... That creed, without having to learn the Ranger Creed, you know, it, it was something like, you know, it, like I, I honestly wouldn't have functioned as well as I did. And, you know, that's one of the, the benefits that the Army gave me was, you know, the, the ability to create me into a leader, to mold me into a leader, something that I always thought that I was because I'm the oldest of six kids. You know, mm-hmm. I always thought I was a leader. People always seemed to follow me. I was always energetic. I was always motivated, um, but I was always willing to do things that other people weren't willing to do. You know, look at how many people fight and people actually get into the cage. I mean, everybody can armchair quarterback it all they want. But until you get punched in the face, that's how you know the true true measure of how far you can go, you know. And so um, during my last little um, stint as a a combative NCIC out at Fort Bragg, uh, North Carolina, you know, I used to teach soldiers. I used to teach soldiers how to how to be aggressive. And I never thought that I would have to teach a soldier how to be aggressive. Because here we go. You see a guy walking in uniform down the street. You ought to, I mean, I don't know what Portland people here in Portland think, you know, but they probably think baby killer or whatever they think, you know. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but they probably think, you know, like, oh, this dude's a, you know, uh, is a B- yeah, BAMF, you know. And, you know, and if he's a, you know. Yeah, I'm trying not to cuss on your show, man. It's your, it's your time, man. You say what you want. <laughs> and so, you know, they probably think he's a big dude. You know, he's like, he's this legit, like, you know, shooter, you know, shooter guy. But, you know, chances are he's not, man. The dude probably is finance. No offense to finance people, but he's probably finance, you know. But he wears that uniform. So automatically everybody thinks that anybody that wears that uniform is a warrior, you know, right off the bat. And so, and I tell these guys that when you're coming through, it's like, look, man, I'm teaching you combatants. I'm teaching you how to survive. I'm teaching you how to survive another day. You know, that's what I'm teaching you. And I am also teaching to close with and destroy should you get to that point. But a lot of people, a lot of soldiers, you know, again, they have never fought before in their life. So they're just, they're just practicing. They're just, you know, getting to that point. And let's be real. How long does it take for you to actually truly 
grasp a skill that is taught to you. Like for example, if I if I if I took you, you know, sat you down and taught you how to do uh, a kimura, you know, and I said, you know, you, I teach you all the different steps of doing a kimura. How long do you think it's going to take for you to to master that? See, that's a good point because I've said this to people before. I can teach you how to jow. I can teach you a rear naked choke or, like you said, a kimura in five minutes. We can show you exactly where to put your arms, where to put your grip. No problem whatsoever. Now go ahead and kimura me. How many years is it going to take you to kimura me when I'm actually resisting? Because I've been doing this for over 20 years. I'm good at not getting submitted. So you can learn these, these basic skills really quickly, but actually learning how to apply them, how to bring them into your life is a very different story. That is, man, that's so true. And like, how do you, how you, like I said, how do you get all this? How do you, you know, for, for a lot of people, it's going to take a consistent practice, consistent, consistent, repetitive practice and, you know, repetition creates mastery and stuff like that. And so, and then two, not just learning the skill, but when to apply it. When to escalate, when to de-escalate, how do you teach this guy these skills without him becoming a bully as well? So there's all these nuances to when I was bouncing, most everybody shook my hand after I kicked him out because I would, and my buddy told me this, he goes, I've never seen anybody go from explaining calmly how things need to be to kicking the shit out of somebody so quickly because I go up to somebody and I'll be like, hey, your, your actions are inappropriate. I can't have that here. Screw you. Okay. Well, now, now you have to leave. And it would just be that simple. And at the end, I, I never gloated. I never took uh, joy in the punishment I had to mete out. Maybe in retrospect, it was kind of enjoyable. But yeah, I, I never treated anyone disrespectfully. For me, it was just a job. So you have the, all of these nuances about uh, uh, speaking softly, carrying a big stick that a lot of people really don't understand. And I'm glad you said that point because a lot of people don't know where that came from. You know what I mean? And, and, and that's one of the things that I took into the military, you know. Like in basic training, and I and like I said, I was a knucklehead, and you know, and I use my own experience to to highlight, you know, to highlight, you know, like again, where I, you know some of the things that I want to talk about, you know, because I I feel like the men the, the army has wonderful leaders. I think the army is filled with amazing leaders, and so, but there's a very small percentage of those amazing leaders that. You know, you you have your people that have made it that are amazing leaders. Um, you people, you have your people that are made it that are that are faking like they're ma- amazing leaders, but they're really not. Uh, uh, they're really just hiding stuff behind you know behind this cover, this facade of, of of awesomeness. And then you have those people that you know that that want to be. They're kind of like they're B players. Um, there are A players playing a B game, if, they, if that makes any sense. You know, they haven't had a chance to open up and get out there. But and I'm just going to say this like this. The Army has a, probably a, a shit ton of amazing leaders, but they have no mentors. You know, no people. Hold on real quick. <laughs> Sorry. Had to sneeze. That's, yeah. So they, they have amazing leaders, but... You know, not really any mentors. And, you know, when you look at it, the mentorship program that's within the military, it sucks. You know, it sucks hands down Um, because I see a lot of like military has one of the highest divorce rates, you know, and that's and that to me is a big factor. Even though, like I said, I was in the military. I got divorced. And in my experience, you know, you know, for some of the people that that came into my life that were married, at that time, you know, it's my responsibility for my own marriage. Yes, it's my responsibility to seek marital advice. Yes, 
you know, but at the same time, snatch somebody up and, you know, knock on their head a couple of times. They're like, yo, what are you doing? You know, because that's what I do now. You know, like if I if I I'm trying to save marriages, I'm trying to, you know, you know, if I see anybody going down that road of, you know, that path that's, you know, that's that's not going to win. Let's win together. You know, let's focus on that. But then let's take finances, you know, for example. Again, people come in with a broke mentality, you know. Um, there are financial aid classes that people could take, but how often do people pursue that? Not a lot, especially in the military, you know. But then you have your predators, you know, your your financial predators, like Mike. You know, I don't want to bring anybody's name, but my sister, for example, <laughs> who's in the army, she was the last person I ever put in the military. Um, she's out in Hawaii, and you know, like man, you know, as much guidance as you, you know, as, as she could have, you know, she just doesn't have it. You know, she grew up the same way that I grew up and I'm sitting there having to watch the same thing over and over. You know, I'm like, look, where your, where your boss is at when you bought this, you know, this 18%, you know, car and stuff like that, you know, at, you know, where are your bosses at? Like, who did you reach out to? Like, who let you do this? You know, because, but again, there's people out there, you know, preying on the, preying on the military guys and stuff like that. And so, I don't know. That's one of my issues. I, I I got a lot, man. Like I said, I got a lot of thoughts. But let's talk about positive real quick. You know, um, being being tested when you're tested in the military. I think that's how you achieve, and that's how that's how you figure out who you are. Um, I've been in a leadership position, you know, probably for about 19 years of, the, of my military career. I was always in charge of somebody. Um, in basic training, I was, you know, again, in leadership position. They, they put you in these practice positions so where you can win. You know, you can try to grow yourself and grow your leadership within that. Um, but at the same time, you know, it, what creates true perspective and wisdom? Well, that's experience. It's getting into that experience, you know, experience state. And so, um, you know, I, I've gone through many different uniform changes during my time, you know, uh, Different changes in uniforms, but also different changes in leadership, meaning presidencies and, and, and you know, different changes in, like, environments. And so, like, every environment is different. Just like, we, just like for, for, for example, a good analogy is fighting. Every region of the United States fights differently. Like, if you go out to Hawaii, they're bangers. You know, either they're superstar bangers, like, straight up forward, or they're jujitsu guys. That's it. You come here, like, I'm so thankful that I got my wrestling base here or my fighting base here because it's wrestling-based. You know, wrestling and boxing, ground and pound was the big thing. Randy Couture, you know, Team Quest, ground and pound. I go out to, you know, New York, still wrestling-based, but it's more of a judo wrestling, you know, base. I go down south to, to, to Texas, it's all banging. It's all boxing, you know what I mean? So it's like every place that you go is different, just like in the military, Every place you go is different. And so um, what I dislike, you know, is like, and here's one thing I got to talk about, man. I, I'm going to talk about this one, you know, and I, again, I don't want to, there's positives and they're negative with every situation. And shoot, hell, I worked at McDonald's. There were positives and negatives to that, you know. But um, one of the things that I think that the Army needs to address, and they try to address this, you know, occasionally, but it's a, it's a big deal. And I'm gonna go right into the black and white issue, you know, because it it is an issue, you know, it's a big issue. Um, I have to tell you guys a quick joke. Are you ready for this joke? You ready for this <laughs> Can joke? You laugh. Yeah, of course. <laughs> you get ready for the joke, Marcus. It, again, 
in Ranger Battalion, okay? In Ranger Battalion, I'd just gone through, you know, whatever. I was in second Ranger Battalion. Marcus, why do you think you're here? Because uh, I made it through RIP, Ranger Indoctrination Program, because I went through eight weeks like everybody else. No, why do you think you're here? I was like, um, because I passed my PT test and I'm a beast? No, why do you think you're here? I was like, I don't know, dude. Why am I here? Affirmative action. Oh, you got jokes. Uh. Oh, you got jokes. <laughs> okay, I see it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it was like at that time, it was like, okay, dude, I got you. I got so funny, right? And so, but, uh, you know, again, that is, that is an issue. And so one of the issues is like when you look at the higher levels, okay, and this is what bothers me. When you look at the higher levels of special operations, uh, SF, you know, you got your CA guys, you got your PSYOPs guys, you know, you got all that, all these other guys. Um, so there's a big disparity when it comes to, I brought up the race car, bro. I'm sorry, man. But, you know, like big thing, you know, a majority of the combat service support, meaning your cooks, your supply, your, um, how do you say, you know, you're, you're, just, you're just the people that support the people that go to combat. A majority of your combat service support people are multiracial. You know, it's a very diverse, you know, a majority black, majority, you know, whatever. But then a majority of your combat, I mean, let's be real, the military is for combat, period. You know, hands on, you, if, you, if you join the military not thinking it's for combat, then you're confused. You, you think about your combat stuff, your combat guys... They're a majority uh, Caucasian. Why is that? Like, I mean, I sat back and I thought about this, Nate, for like 20-something years. That joke was told to me my second year in the Army, you know? And I'm like, oh, that's, you know, it's kind of jacked up, you know what I mean? But, and it's, I laugh about it. And that's probably where I'm delusional is because I laugh about it. Because it was, it was, you know, it was funny to me. Because as I look around in this, you know, little, it's probably changed a lot now, but... As I looked around, there was only four black guys in the whole in the whole battalion. You know what I mean? And so, like, and I was one, and like I said, I was one of them. But you know, my first son at the time was one of them. My sergeant major was one of them, and my my other buddy uh, was one of. Them. But he was he was Ernesto Perez. You know what I mean? But he, was, you know what I'm saying? And Ernesto, uh, I shouldn't have named his name. My bad. Make sure you delete that out. He's he's fine with it. I'm sure. Yeah, and so. Um, so, but see, here's the thing, though. Again, there's misconceptions, and the misconception is, oh yeah, well, one of the reasons why there wasn't that many is because black guys can't swim. And I'm like, what? I was like, come on now, like, how does that work? Or, oh, or see at night, right? Oh yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And I was like, and so I don't know. It's so funny. And so as I'm growing. Like, but see, that's what people don't understand. I swim like a fish. You know what I mean? <laughs> I swim like a fish. And I remember, I remember this. I'm telling you this quick story, man. It's so funny. So I remember that I was like, yeah, how fast do you run? You know, because Ernesto went to Loyola. Uh, God, I keep saying anything. But my boy went to Loyola. He went to a, a really prestigious college and he ran in college. So this dude ran a sub nine minute mile or a sub nine minute two mile. Wow. Yeah. So he was flying, like flying. So I remember we had gone down to Panama. We'd gone down to Panama, right? And you know, we I had just got done with our, our little our little field exercise. And then as we were doing, we we're doing zodiac training, right? So but they 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 created this little course that they could do. So they they put me and Ernesto together because they assumed 
that we both were bad swimmers. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, and Zodiac oh is our little boats, you know, that we use, a little, you know, little, little high speed little boats that we use, right? And so we're doing the Zodiac training, right? And we're flowing, right? And so part of it is you had to, you know, create your little, you know, so, so what we're going to do is we're going to run to this, whatchamacallit, um, and then we, we ruck with all of our gear. Then we had to create a poncho raft with our, with our, with our stuff. And then um, we would jump into, you know, onto our boat and then go out to this little buoy. And then we got to swim out, you know. So, again, these guys put us on there, you know. We beast them out in the run. And then, you know, they, they smoke us and some other things. And then we get it pushed out to this thing. So... Then I tell Ernesto, he's like, man, he's like, Marcus, I can't swim. We're swimming in the Atlantic Ocean. He's like, I can't swim. I can't. I was like, bro, don't worry about it. I was like, just get in the back and kick, right? I'm going to get up front and I'll swim and then you kick. And he's like, that's all you need. And so we started, they started us last. We ended up passing everybody, right? Um, and so we passed everybody. We're the first ones done. It was like, what the, how are you guys, you know, <laughs> you guys done? Uh, and we're like, I was like, yeah, I got you, right? And so then the point that I'm trying to make is that if you don't put somebody in an, oppor- in, in a, in an opportunity where they're going to thrive, you know, if you don't match a team up effectively, then, you know, then how can anybody win? And, you know, if you don't put them in a position of strength, how can they win? And that's the one thing I think that the Army does where they, they if they would stop, or, and I don't say the Army, but the military, I mean, everybody's so focused on the military, but if they would just put people in the right positions, then that would cause everybody to win. Does that make sense? Yeah, and uh, it kind of reminds me of a story I heard a while ago where, and my my facts are probably a little off, my details are a little off, but there was one of these big uh, bands that would, would have trumpet players, tuba players, all this, and they would have people put on a show, they play their instrument to see if they were worthy to join the band. And so the, the judges would sit back there and watch and over and over again, you know, no women would make it. And this was a, I don't think any, any people of color were even applying at that time, but <clears throat> you had somebody go in and finally say, we need to judge on quality alone. So they put up a blind. So you could not see who was playing the instrument. You had to judge purely on how good of a job they did. And that's, there's a lot of things I may not agree with, but I can kind of understand where people are coming from. Like, oh, I, I disagree with your, your opinion, but I see your basis for it. Okay, we just disagree. When it comes down to, to racism and things like that, I cannot wrap my head around it. So I'm like, how does this make any sense? Like you said, uh, black people can't swim. Bullshit. <laughs> That's just ridiculous. Uh, I think in World War II, it was black people can't see at night. I just, I don't understand these things. They don't make any sense to me. When, if I'm going into battle, I just want the guy who's the best right next to me that's, that's willing to do it. <clears throat> and I've cornered a lot of people's fights. I don't remember them. I, I cornered a guy one time. I ran into him probably just months later. And we were talking on the street and I go, hey, have you ever fought? I totally forgot that I'd ever cornered him. And he said, no, I haven't fought since the last time you cornered me. It's like, Damn. Yeah, my, my, I got some CT going on. But I remember cornering you because we fought in some small promotion someplace. At least three times, I had my foot on the, the apron. I was like, fight's over. Mark's getting tapped out. He, he's done. You kept fighting out the whole time. You ended up losing the fight by decision. But I was like, God damn, if you're going into a cage 
to find out who you are, to, to test yourself, to see how good you are. It's tough to say, would you rather have a five second knockout where you just knock the shit out of somebody and you win with one good solid punch or, or would you rather barely lose a decision where you fought hard for 15 minutes and now you can watch that tape for the rest of your life. And I remember that fight and I was like, damn, this boy has metal. That is amazing. And I appreciate you calling me that fight, man. Like I said, that, you know, it's funny. It's funny that you brought that up because when you look at it, when you have the right people in your corner and you, you, you know, you had that lockdown, that was one of the first few fights. So I was like, yeah, man, I got the right people in my corner. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to beast this out, you know? And so like, and you, you, you pick up your level of intensity, you know, you pick up your level of intensity because any other fight, I probably, you know, probably would have got tapped out, like, to be honest, but you know, like inside, deep inside you, Again, you got to surround yourself with the right team, you know, with the right people. And, you know, again, when you have to worry about yourself, then you're not in that position of strength where you can actually thrive and actually win. And, you know, and that's where in the military you're forced to, 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 to mesh with all these different people from all these different walks of life. And you would think that, you know, that uniform, you know, would help it out, you know, but it a lot of times it doesn't. And that's... You know, to create any kind of team building, I think that that's, you know, you, you need to either bleed together, you know, sweat together. You know, you need to do something together, but you can't just bring a team together without it meshing well. And so, yeah. And you were a kid back then. You were a young man when you took that fight, I think. Because that was like, what, 15 years ago? Uh, Maybe not that long ago, 10, 12 years ago. Yeah. But man, you were, you were a young man when you stepped into the cage that day and put on a, the fight that you know, any grown man will be happy to put on. Yeah. I was happy with that. You know, I was, and honestly, like I said, I've taken some losses, you know, but that was one fight that I, I really, really, really felt like I was, you know, I was really, and I got beat that day. I got beat and I was okay with that. It was a great fight. You know what yeah. I'm saying? It was a great, it was a great fight. And, you know, and, and and like I said, you know, it's not those knock. I've, I've knocked people out. You know, I've knocked people out quick, and I've, you know, I've, you know, fought. To, I've, I've been knocked out. I've been submitted. You know, and I'm happy. I'm happy to say that I've been. I've, I've had all these different things because now I'm prepared for whatever comes. I've had every scenario, every possible scenario play out, and so winning. You know, like again. But I'm only focused, like right now, I'm only focused on winning. After leaving the military after 21 years, I'm only focused on winning. In every aspect of my life. And so that's, you know, that's the one thing that, you know, my experience has brought me. Um, another thing that I want to talk about, since we, you know, since I brought up the race card, I'm going to bring up the next issue is women, you know, women in the military, sexist, you know. Let's be real. Like, listen, I believe that chivalry is still alive. Hands down. I'm just going to say it. You know, I, w- I am an A-type personality in the military. Um uh, and, and here, I'm, I'm going to get on my little soapbox. I'm just going to, you know, just say it right now. Boom. Infantry Airborne Ranger, you know, been deployed multiple times. Um, you know, I'm a master resiliency trainer. You know, uh, let's see, what were some of my other little little Army accolades? Oh, uh, lightweight Army, United States Army, lightweight uh, um, combatives champion, you know, three times over. Um you know, there's a lot of things, you know, best, uh, Audie Murphy, all, all these other things. So many different things that, you know, I've done in the military, you know, it, but, you know, when you say all that, like what, like really what, 
like, man, I mean, all these different things. But also, you know, like with that, I also am an advocate for people. And let's just be real. Like, women in the military, my mom was in the military, so I believe that women should be in the military, hands down. Uh, a lot of times people ask me, hey, Marcus, what do you think about women going being allowed to go to ranger school? You know, that's a big issue. I think it's great. I think it's great. I mean, I told. I mean, any man that that thinks otherwise, I think is you know, I, I, I think you should actually really you know reflect and look at look at it. Um, now, do I believe that women can do the same things physically that men can do? No, I don't. I do not. I do not believe that like uh, um, like all women can carry a 180-pound man on the battlefield. I do not believe I believe that some women can. I believe that some women can run... Uh, <laughs> I believe that some women can run, run a sub-13-minute mile, and I've seen it done. Um, sub-13, that's not good. Two-minute mile. Two mile, okay. Or two mile, two mile, yeah, two, mile. two mile. So I'm sorry, I talk about that. You know, yeah, sub thirteen is <laughs> terrible. Yeah, yeah. yeah, good clarification. Yeah, I could do that. It's terrible, <laughs> dude. Um, no, but sub thirteen, two mile. You know, so that's roughly six minutes thirty seconds a mile. You know, and so I think that they could beast that out. I, I really do. I've seen it actually. I've been pushed by by a couple of women when it comes to running. Um, and so women in range school, I think it's a good thing. And look, if you're a man and you think otherwise, and you know. You're Ranger qualified or not Ranger qualified, and you went to Ranger school. You know, hey, look, go through and make it. That's all. That's all I say. You know, because at that point in time, you know, if somebody meets the qualifications, who cares what they look like? Mm -hmm. Who cares if they're you know? Who cares if you know if they're a woman or a man? You know, they met the qualifications. Let them roll. Let them rock the Ranger tab. You know, you know. Just recently, we had an enlisted an NCO. A female go through, and you know she made it through range school. You know I had five. I had five range buddies my first during Darby phase of of range school, and that's one of the hardest phases. Yeah, I got it, but I have five now. Mind you, three of those guys got hurt. You know, one of them, I believe, in my opinion, I don't know his name, but I believe that he hurt himself. You know, like I remember I stepped over a log and then, you know, I said, hey, look, there's a log. I was like, you know, make sure I went back and I told him, you know, like there's a log. Be careful because that's what we do. You know, you let the guy behind you know what's going on. So this dude, I watched him put his foot on the log and then step over and throw himself over. Mm. So I think he did it on purpose. Mm. I don't know why anybody would do that, but he did it. And so but then I've also had two guys quit. You know, so I know what it takes. And you talk about metal, you, I know what it takes to win and you want to make it through something. But a lot of times, again, people, you know, chip themselves up for whatever reason. I don't understand why. But I believe that women should be in the military. I believe that, you know, uh, women have a place, you know, in certain combat fields should they meet the qualifications to make it. So... I don't know enough to really have a, an educated opinion, but so just going off of what you said, I personally would not have an issue with that, especially being in the fighting world. You see these these badass women all the time that can fight, that can throw hands. There was, uh, uh, I, I forget where it was. It might have been Brazil, but a woman just got jumped on the street, 
And she was a UFC fighter and kicked the shit out of the guy that jumped her. I think my only concern, and again, I'm not educated enough to have a real opinion, would be when you're changing the standards. Because if, if, it's, if I'm running a moving company and it says on the application, you need to be able to lift 50 pounds repetitively to do this job, I don't put an asterisk, unless you're a woman, then we'll make it 30 pounds. No, because the TV weighs the same. You don't, you don't change the job to, to meet with some kind of qualification. So I think if the, if the qualifications to do the job are fair, they're not swayed in one direction to, to shut down other applicants, then it wouldn't make any sense to me to, to not allow women or whoever wants to do the job. Chris Rock had the, the great bit where he said, women want to fight in the, in the military? Let them do it because I'm not doing it. it. It just seems that simple. If somebody's willing to put in, in the effort and they can do the job willingly, why wouldn't you want them on there? Agreed, agreed totally. And you know, and so, like, and I'm not just talking about like if my daughters wanted to join the military, by all means, let them join the military. Now, here's the deal, and, you know, and here's my, my, my little caveat to that whole situation is that some of the dudes in the military, like, I'll be honest with you, like, it's not a, it's not a, it's not the Boy Scouts. This is not, you know, this is not one of those things. It is an institution. Is it is somewhat of a professional organization. It's 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 out there, you know. But some of these guys need home training. You know, I'll just be real. Some of these guys don't know how to act. Do not know how to act around women. You know, and yes, we're all in the same uniform, and we all should be equal to that. But that doesn't mean go out and be a jackass in front of my daughter. You know what I mean, or in front of a woman. You know, and so uh, in that kind of thing, you're right. So we talk about changing standards. No, you know, how about having respect? You know, for that. You know, because you know, uh, my sister joined the military, and you know, I know that. Thank God, and I and I'll say this: Thank God that she was stationed with. Uh, one of my one of the guys that I grew up with in the army. We didn't know that that was going to happen, but you know it happened. You know where he could watch over her while she was in Afghanistan. You know and like and, and he honestly, like I said, and, and he's he was a first sergeant retired out in Fort Hood. And like I said, I love the guy to this day. But we grew up like fighting together. You know and did you know we did some things you know um, together. And so. Once he realized that that was my sister, he like oh, he took her on her wing and, and you know and took care of her. And so that's the that's the whole point. I think that if we take care of our own, which the military should do, is we should take care of your own, take care of each other, you take care of your brother and sisters, your left and your right. Then we wouldn't have a problem. But then we got stuff like you know sharp issues, sexual harassment, and you know abuse and you know assault and prevention. We got all this stuff. You know, unfortunately, again, people don't know how to act and and. <clears throat> That all stems from, you know, joining the military. How did you join the military? You joined the military from desperation or, you know, were you inspired to join the military, you know? And so, um, so you know, the equal opportunity and, and sharp is, is a big deal for me. Um, and, you know, and, and like I said, again, I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of people have figured out I'm, I'm black and, and Samoan, you know what I mean? I'm black and Polynesian, you know? And so if you haven't figured that out, there you go, boom. And so, you know, those are the couple of things that, that weigh heavily on my mind is, is that, you know, is that, is that number one, you know, leadership and mentorship. Number two, you know, like equal opportunity for everybody, um, you know, women, black, white, religious, you know, whatever it may be. I mean, those are some of the things that, you know, we're fighting for. And so, you know, 
And I was just going to say, and I was just going to say, you know, we talk about fighting for freedoms and stuff like that. You know, one of my other thoughts is that I think everybody should join the military. I think everybody should have a stint, you know, in a, in some capacity in the military. And it doesn't matter if it's, you know, military or, or border patrol or some kind of government organization. I think if you're going to be a, a, a citizen in, in America that you should perform some kind of service act towards America, you know, whether, again, some kind of government facility. So the way you have an understanding of the way that she, meaning America, works. And so, you know, I love how Israel does it. You know, I, I love how Israel does it. I love how everybody has to be in the military, you know, for two years. And then you go off and live your life. It's that simple. You're providing, you're providing a service to your country, you know. Um, that, and again, that doesn't mean that you have to be on the front lines. That doesn't mean that. And then people need to get that idea out of their head. No, you don't have to be on the front lines. But what capacity can you do, can you give Towards others, you know, I like what John F. Kennedy said, you know, ask not what you, your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. And I think that if everybody operated under that standpoint, it would be a better place. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that. There was a congresswoman I was listening to. I think she was from Hawaii. And uh, the interviewer asked her that exact same question. Should everybody have a required stint in, in serving the country? <clears throat> and her response was, well, I don't want to be in a foxhole with, with a, a drafty next to me who didn't want to be there. And I thought to myself, you know better than just about anybody else. It's what, 1% of the military actually goes into combat? Very few do. But you could spend that time, a year or two years, whatever it is, rebuilding our nation's roads, bridges, whatever, reinvesting into America and showing some appreciation for the country that we live in. One of my biggest regrets, if not the biggest, is that well, when I was a kid, I was raised in a cult of Jehovah's Witnesses. My father was in the Navy, but I was not allowed to even entertain the idea of joining the military. And when it finally occurred to me, oh, this is something I could do, I missed all the, the dates. I was like 38. 38's a cutoff date for the Coast Guard. And I thought, Coast Guard Reserves, that would be perfect for me. And I will go in as a cook, whatever you want me to do. I don't need anything special. I'll sign up for the two years, four years, whatever it is that I need to do to, to kind of show appreciation and more understanding for what our military goes through. And I try to say this as many times as possible because I'm still willing to do that. If somebody will grant me the waiver, I'll run whatever mile, however fast you want me to do. But I, I just think it would be a great opportunity to, for people to really understand and then appreciate what our armed services are going through these days. Yeah, man. And, and, you know, and there's a lot of people that, that feel the same way. I mean, I have these conversations all the time, like all the time. And, you know, I'm not really a, a I don't really boast about being in the military. Like a lot of times you would never know that I'm in the military. Like a lot of people never knew that I was in the military, even when I was in the military, you know. Um, and but, you know, I go down, I go downtown and I talk to these people and they find out, I was like, oh, you, you just moved here. I was like, yeah, I just moved here from from North Carolina. Oh, what were you doing in North Carolina? I was in the military. And they're like, oh, yeah, you know, so we have these conversations. And, dude, I'm telling you, there are so many ways that you could serve, so many, so many ways. And that's just one of the things that I'm trying to say to, you know, like, I think that, you know, even my kids and, I, you know, I tell them, I was like, yo, you better find something to do. You know what I mean? You better find some, some way to give back to your community because, honestly, you look at it. My son, <laughs> my son is very opinionated, you know, and he's 20. He, he, you know, he's 20. He's very opinionated. And I tell him, I was like, dude, I was like, do you, what do you think? You think you have the, you know, the, you earned the right to say that? You think you've earned the right? You think you've, you've, you've paid your debt to society and that, you know, that, that, that's your right? 
He's like, uh, you know, he'll give me that look, you know, because I'm, I'm a stern father, man. I'll be honest with you, you know. And I think that, you know, being stern has, has, has helped me out, you know, and, you know, my kids are thriving and so on and so forth. But that's another thing. That's another thing, you know, um, everybody does what they do in life with, you know, at the, at the, at the, well, put it like this, the sacrifice that soldiers make, and this is what this is a positive, and this is one thing I'm going to give to the to the army or to the military. Look, my brothers and sisters in arms, you guys are sacrificing your life, you know, your 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 family time, the quality time that you have to raise your family, to spend that, you know, you miss birthdays. I've missed so many birthdays. One of my goals for 2019 is to make it to every single one of my kids' birthdays, because you know, I've I've missed. Uh, a, a shit ton, you know, uh, and, uh, and that's something I never want to do. And so that's one of the kudos that I give to those people who who volunteer. Because let's be real, as a veteran, you volunteer your life, and so you you can't complain. And that's why you know I'm not really trying to make this a complaining uh, session. Uh, I'm trying to make it just bring light to certain topics that I think you know that um, that. If anybody listens, you know, whoever listens to, you know, would agree on or disagree on or, or probably could pass on. But, you know, kudos to my boys for sacrificing their, you know, their life because, you know, you come back different. You talk about CTE, man. I'll be honest with you, you know, like, you know, and I, not to get all deep into my own little situation, but, you know, depression is a big thing. Anxiety, social anxiety is a big, big thing. You know what I mean? That's why, you know. Like as mu- as big as I want to grow, as big as I want to serve, you know, I, I still have anxiety about it. You know, I'm still worry about every situation that I go into. You know, about who's caring, who are my targets. You know, like you know who who could give me the most threat. How would I eliminate this person the fastest? Like even with my kids and my 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 loved ones, I'm like, look, I need to know where you're at, where you're going. I need to know a time, and then I need to know when you get home and when you get safe. Now, you would think that's something that everybody does, right? I think that's something that everybody does. But for me, I guess, I cause anxiety with them because I'm, like, on them about it. And so now, like, my, my kids are like, Dad, I'm home. Dad, you know, I'm going over here with so-and-so. So-and-so is picking me up. You know, we're taking their car, and we're getting to this destination. Like, they tell me all these things instinctually because that's what I set for them because they know that makes me feel at ease. And it's kind of it's kind of like Liam Neeson's Taken and stuff like that. Let me know where you're at. What were they wearing? Yell out descriptions and stuff like that. But no BS, bro. That's how it is. And you know, um, yeah. I don't know what this. Yeah, I'm all over the place, man. It's all good. Sorry, ADHD, bro. <laughs> I forget. But you know, again, so social anxiety. Yeah, you know what I mean. You know, and, that, and let's talk about that. Let's talk about coming home. You know, I read a book. I think Stephen Unger's, I believe that a book called Tribe. Oh yeah, yeah, great book. Yeah, you know, great book. Um, and it was referred to by one, by one of my buddies. <laughs> Funny enough, how we became buddies, me and this guy, is Will Coggin. I'm just gonna name his name because he's dope, man. I love this guy. Um, we fought, so it was during one of the combative competitions, and um, I remember sitting and sitting on that. They pulled all of us 170 pounders together. And, you know, and so then he, you know, I get to meet his dad. He gets to meet my girl, you know, at the time. He gets to meet, yeah, he gets to meet my girl. And so then, you know, we shake hands. I'm like, look, man, I was like, it's like, you're a cool dude, man. He's like, man, you're a cool dude. It's, you know, he's like, if we get to fight each other, I was like, we'll probably end up fighting each other in the finals, bro. And then he's like, he's like, I like the way you think. I was like, okay. 
because I found out he was a Ranger qualified guy too. You know, he's a lieutenant. And but then I told him, I was like, bro, but I'll be honest with you, man. You're a lieutenant. You're an officer. There's no way you're gonna beat me. <laughs> no fucking way. <laughs> no way that's happening ever. And so, and so then he started laughing. He's like, okay, let's see. So he gets through his bracket. I get through my bracket, and we meet in the finals. You know what I mean? It was cool, but. And that's how you know the true strength and the true measure of a man is when you fight him. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I'm a believer in that. I totally believe that. Until you fight that dude, that's, that's how you know how far he'll go. And we're friends, to the, we're friends to this day because of the fact that we fought and, you know, you know we grew alongside each other and stuff like that. And so, but um, um, where was I going with that? Sorry, bro. I messed that up. So, yeah, Will gave me that book. He told me to read it. But it talks about, you know, reintegrating into, you know, into your tribe, into your, you know, into your group. And we have that. You see those little hashtags, you know, jujitsu saved my life. It may save my life, you know, you know, that kind of stuff. Well, this truth of matter, it does because that becomes our tribe. And that's who we start to hang around with, you know, um, and like I'm getting ready to, to go back to work after about you know nine months of not working, you know, um, I'm getting about to reintegrate myself into this civilian side of life, and I'll be I'm reluctant, bro. I, I'll be honest with you, man. I it's like it's weighing on me, you know. And like I'm I have a lot of deep seated like feelings and thoughts to it, like. And I'm sure that they have the same thing too. Like, how is this? You know, this guy that's been in the military for 21 years, PTSD. How, what is he going to do? Like, how is he going to act towards us? You know, because I'll be honest with you, some of the things that I see, like I've already done my recon. I've already went by the workplace. I've already talked to the. You know, I went there as a customer. You know, I went there and I started asking people. I was like, Hey, you like working here? You know, oh, no, I hate it. You know, I was like, Why? Well, if you if you could find one thing you would change about, what would you change? The leadership sucks here. You know what I mean? I was like, oh, okay. So I'm going into a leadership position. Um, yeah, man. And so I'm just kind of reluctant, you know, to go about that. And so, uh, That book you mentioned, Tribe, Sebastian Younger. Sebastian, there you go. That's the author. And it's funny you would mention that because this is how Vets be- became. I was listening to a podcast with Sebastian Younger on it, and he was talking about uh, him as a reporter in Afghanistan for two years suffering from PTSD when he came back. And he said veterans need a place where they can just share their stories. They can just talk safely and get their their words out so civilians like myself can recognize what you've gone through. We can listen because to me, the worst thing is when you have a grievance or or something you've experienced, maybe if it's not a grievance, you feel, I did this for my country and I'm not recognized. None of my brothers and sisters are recognized when you have civilians doing more than thank you for your service, actually willing to sit down and listen to their stories. I think that makes all the difference in the world. So I read that book, Tribe. It was incredible. I encourage everyone to read it. And yeah, Sebastian Younger. Boom. Boom. And so then, you know, and again, this is good. And like I said, again, this is good because I suppressed a lot of this stuff in, in inside, you know what I'm saying? And like I've suppressed a lot of it, you know. I mean, there's still certain things that I'm not going to talk about, you know what I mean? But the overall overlying issues are, are, you know, that are in my head, that those are things that I want to talk about. So now that we're bringing this up, and I appreciate that you brought it up, this VA system, oh my goodness, terrible. Mm. Like, it needs work. It needs help. It, it, it truly does need help. I mean, if anything to bring light to anything that's going to help anybody as far as veterans-wise, that would be the first system. And, and this is not something new that I'm just bringing up. I mean, like I went – I got here 
in uh, November. And I called in November and I said, hey, look, VA, I need to make an appointment because, you know, because the reason why I got discharged is because of my eyes and my eyes are, you know, kind of bad and stuff like that. Um, uh, so I need, a, I need a new whatever situation. And so, um, and that's a little story in itself. But, you know, I called the VA and I was like, look, I need an appointment. They was like, well, uh, Miss, you know, Mr. Mr. Daniels, the, the next appointment that we have is February 26th. I'm like, wait, what the fuck? I was like, hold on, it's November. It's not even, like, yeah, we're, we're, we're backed up, we're understaffed. You know, I was like, oh, okay, um, that's okay. I'll go look for some, you know, health insurance. You know what I mean? I'll go find some health insurance and I'll get health insurance and, you know, I'll go and take care of it like that. I appreciate it, you know, um, because, you know, I had that luxury. I could still go out and find all this stuff, whereas other veterans don't. You know what I mean? They need it like right then and there. But if they need it right then and there, February 26th, that's four months. You know, a lot can happen between that time. You know, um, and then you got to think like this, you know, outside of a military post, the VAs are great. Outside of a military post. But what about two hours away, you know, three hours away, four hours away from a military post? They're not that great. You know what I mean? They're not that great. Fort Lewis is two hours away. Man, I'm not driving all the way. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if I, if I needed it, of course I will. But, you know, like the VA program is definitely something that needs to be fixed. Uh, uh, one thing that I do like doing, like I, I, I will spotlight this. This is a very good positive. A lot of companies nowadays are looking for veterans, for a lot of the good qualities that the veterans have. And this, you know, like I said, I've been looking for jobs and stuff like that. Um, and I'm not just talking about like government agency giving you preference points. I'm not, not talking about that. I'm talking about the intangibles, you know, the leadership intangibles, you know, the, the um, you know, again, we were institutionalized. And so as an institution, like, you know, the discipline to get up at six o'clock in the morning, five o'clock in the morning, whatever it is, and, and go show up at work, you know? Um, you know, so there are a lot of corporations nowadays that actually want to understand and want to get to know that. Um, and so, like, kudos to them, you know, to anybody that does. And I, I really, you know, I, like I said, I appreciate that for everybody. Um, but here's my caution on that. Here's my caution on that. And, you know... And I'm going to tread lightly here because, you know, actually, no, I won't. You know, the bottom line is there are some people that did serve in the military that didn't do a damn thing in the military but are, you know, you know, are, how do I say it, faking it, you know, faking their, faking their energy. And, you know, to those people that, you know, that are listening, that listen to this, that, you know, if you're one of those people that, you know, you're faking your stuff, man, I, 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 you need to get punched in the face, like for real. Like, you know, you need to get out there. I mean, just you take because you take away from from people that have done, you know, all this time that have been on deployments, you know, you know, like I know I've got a couple of your friends that have been in the military. Like, for example, my sister, the first six years that she was in the military, she deployed three times in the first six years in the military. Like, I mean, that is some stuff right there. She's and I, and I remember she came home depressed. You know, I remember she like. She was supposed to go on a on a convoy, um, but she got flown out to 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 Bagram instead to get some shoe supply. She did what my mom did, you know. They were supposed to lie, so she flew out to get some some items. But on that convoy that she was scheduled to go on, they got hit, and when they got hit, they lost you know three or four people. Mm. You know what I mean? And so, 
in my head, I'm like, you know, it was a, you know, a blessing that my sister wasn't there, but at the same time, it was a, you know, sorrowful because we lost people, you know, like, and you know, it's kind of, it's kind of bad, you know what I mean? It's kind of bad when you're okay with, you know, that your, your sibling wasn't on there and, and you know, that, that you still lost people, you know? So I kind of feel emotional right now about that and about saying that, but at the same time, you know, there are people that really truly are dealing with things, you know, but then, you know, and again, okay, everybody's affected by things differently. Okay, I understand that. I totally, 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 totally understand that. But, um, yeah, man, don't fake it. Well, it sounds like she's, you have that survivor's guilt. And one of our, our earlier guests, Eddie Van Buren, talked about by the flip of a coin, him and his buddy, one was going to go kick indoors, the other one was going to take a convoy. He lost the coin toss, so he went to kick indoors, and his buddy got blown up by an IED. And these are the things <clears throat> that that just happen. And as you were saying that everybody processes things differently, I thought about this many times. People come up to me, as I've had three back surgeries, two spinal fusions, pretty big surgeries. And people ask me questions, well, what did you have done? Where did you go? My back hurts. And they always say the same thing. You know, not as bad as yours though, but my back hurts and I need some help. And I always look at them and I go, it's not a contest. Just because my back may have technically hurt more than yours does, doesn't mean yours hurts any less. You're still hurting. So who am I? What am I going to say? Hey, your back doesn't hurt that bad. Look at my pain. No, that's ridiculous. And when somebody goes through the military, they can watch their friends die and be relatively okay. Or somebody can watch someone die on a, on a video and it will, they'll have nightmares for life. So it's really treating the person as they need to be treated as opposed to the one size fits all kind of, well, you didn't go through so much you shouldn't be a problem. Well, it is. And with 2022 veterans committing suicide every day, we know that's a problem. And again, that's a big part of why VetSpeak is here to hopefully uh, let people share their stories and Maybe that will help. Maybe it'll encourage them to go out, get help, get therapy. I've gone to therapy myself for my childhood, things that I've gone through. And it's amazing to have somebody who's just a complete outsider listen to your story and go, wow, that's fucked up. You should not have gone through that. You should not have had to go through that, but you did. So now let's deal in with our, how can we recover? How can we get better and move on? That's, that's incredibly freeing. And I'm so glad you brought that up, man. Like, and so yeah. Again, everybody deals with something differently, and so you know it depends on what frame and how you spin it and what perspective that you have. Mission Twenty Two. Gotta, you know, I'm, I'm gonna throw a quick shout out. Like, I have a couple friends that um, that are ambassadors for the BJJ community. Um, to them and. Um, and then I have, you know, a couple of really good friends. Again, like I said, I, I've, the jiu-jitsu community is very small. The MMA community is small. It's growing. Um, but then the combative community in the military is, is a great outlet, too. And so um, when it comes to that, like, it's funny how you stuff things. We stuff things. And, I'm, and I honestly didn't realize that I'm stuffing something right now. You know what I mean? Like... Um, like I, like one of my buddies, like it's coming up, like it, 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 like coming up, you know, real soon. Like, uh, yeah, man. This is a this is this is a like he was a beast of a man, bro. Like when I say beast of a man, like he was a beast of a man. Like we, he's that guy 
He's a guy in the, in the gym that, you know, when you say, you know, light sparring, that knocks your block off. You know what I'm saying? He's that guy, you know? And it's funny because he's the, 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 white, the, white, the white, white version of me, you know, or he was the white version of me. And, you know, like, you know, we're very similar. Both Sarnford's classes, both Ranger qualified, both, you know, Ranger Battalion, both deployed multiple times. Uh, both MMA fighters, you know what I mean, and and when I say and I'll even say uh, journeyman MMA fighters, you know, like we love the fight. That is our thing, you know what I mean. It is not just you know not just about winning. It's about the thrill of going against a man that is perceivably better than us, but then testing his will. That's the way we both looked at things, you know. But in both, you know, divorces, you know, with kids, you know. Um, and just trying to figure life out, you know. I remember having a conversation with them, you know, about you know, you know, some things that were going on with with each other, you know. We and we both hit it on, you know, like we do, like spot on, you know, like dude. I was like, man, I and I, and I would tell them like, dude, go see a therapist, man. You know, go see, go see, um, you know, go see mental health because I just got back from an appointment because I, you know, for the last two years, you know, I, I, I'll put it out there for the last two years, man. I've seen, you've uh, seen a counselor. You know, and talking about things, talking, and that's why I know that, you know, anxiety and depression is a big thing because it was a big thing for me. And so, you know, you've seen all this thing, and, and especially like adapting to the civilian society, man, like, how am I going to get back and I'm adapt? That was my question. You know, how am I going to get back and adapt and, 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 and actually make it and not, you know, and not F up? Because the last thing that I ever want to do is be a, an F up to my kids, you know? And so we talked, and he talked about his thing, and you know, I, and I kept telling him, I was like, "Bro, if you need anything, you let me know. You know, what I'm saying, just let me know. I'm here. You know." Um, well, two days later, you know, his, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, his girl, uh, um, you know, one of our friends, you know, we we train together too. She walks in and she finds him. You know, you know, he hung himself. You know, wow. and so you know, and you know, right now, like I said, he's again. I just talked to him two days. Two days before, and I was angry. I'll be honest, I was fucking angry, man. I was mad. I, I'm sorry to cuss, man. I was mad. I was mad. I, like, I, and I still haven't dealt with it. I haven't dealt with those things. I haven't even, like, I really haven't even, you know. But when you, when you have somebody that, that suffers from, from you know, because he had been deployed, I think he had been deployed almost, when I say multiple, like upwards almost 10 times. You know what I'm saying? And these aren't just regular deployments. These are like, you know, ranger boys shooting in, you know, these are deployments, you know. And, uh, yeah, man. And so, like Grant, you know, Grant Shanneman, you know, that, you know, he was an amazing man. And, and, and like, we all, our gym was impacted, like, deeply because we all had just sparred, like, a couple days prior, you know. We were all supposed to get together, you know. And so, man, I, dude, yeah. And it's real. Like I said, it's real. You know, it's sad. It's real. Like, I have a lot of my buddies, uh, you know, a lot of SF guys, you know, 18 Bravos that, you know, that, yeah, man, like, and it's crazy what you deal with. Like, it's crazy. And you're, like, how, how people are affected by things is, is, I don't know, dude. I don't know. I haven't even quite, I, even, I don't even have the words. I don't even have the words. Um, but, you know, like I said, we worry about, you know, that brings up another issue for me, you know, is their families, you know, like, you know, is there any organizations out there, you know, that to help their families, you know? Um, yeah, bro. I don't know.
<clears throat> I lost uh, Robert Follis about a year ago. It was my my coach, my best friend for ten years, who's head coach head coach out of Team Quest, and he took his life essentially based on how we were both raised as one of Jehovah's Witnesses, being shown conditional love, and his parents told him, unless you come back to our organization, we're never going to speak with you again. And it did so much damage to him growing up without unconditional love that no matter how many people told him, I love you. Thank you for everything you've done for me, coach. He just didn't understand it. He couldn't accept it. And so he ended up taking his life. And he was someone I I had texted back and forth with just a month or so beforehand, told him that I was getting married, was going to potentially invite him to the, the wedding and that kind of stuff. And then when he was gone, then you're left with these questions of, well, what could I have done differently? How could I have helped? And again, that's what we're trying to do here, to give people the the help, hopefully kind of the nudge to to get help. Because it, it used to be warriors would go out, they'd defend their village uh, against an invading tribe. Then they'd come back, they'd have cleansing ceremonies. You knew why you were fighting, that the battle was very clear. It was a life and death situation. Uh, and then they'd be reintegrated back into the tribe and they'd go back to work, whether it's a village elder, a hunter, building tents, whatever it may be. And nowadays, we ask soldiers to go fight these foreign wars where the the reason may not be clear whatsoever. And sometimes now we're requiring you to leave the military for whatever reason when you don't want to go or when you do leave, all, all of a sudden, you go from knowing what every single day looks like and having a purpose and a tribe around you to being completely alone. And you're surrounded by people. I know as a fighter, I can't share my stories in a lot of parties or or people that I surround myself with. Things that I'm laughing about, they're in shock. And I I can imagine what it's like for soldiers to to have these things. And and to me, the the biggest thing, uh, I think about me and my brother. My brother turned to alcohol. I went to counseling and I found MMA and that really saved my life. Well, now my brother's in that homeless shelters, liver failure, that kind of stuff. When you bury these things and you bury these issues, eventually they're going to catch up with you. And it seems as we get older, the voices get louder to, to quiet them. You need more alcohol, more drugs, whatever. You're not surrounded by as many people because all your friends that were around you when you were fun, loving, drunk in your 20s and early 30s, they're all married, they have kids, and so now you're kind of left alone. You really need to make an effort to go out and get the counseling that you need to talk about these things, because that, that's the biggest thing. I call it sitting down with yourself and having a conversation, because you have to deal with these issues. And for some people, the answer is, it is what it is. And I just have to accept, well, why did my buddy get blown up and not me? Cause that's the way it is. It is what it is. And it's, it's easy to say much harder to, to put into practice, but it's definitely a a difficult journey. And and I'm glad, and thank you for saying that because, you know, what next, you know, after you, after you get it out, after you, after you, you know, after you've talked about it what next is not, you know, is not go back and suppress all these things again. You know, it's accepting them for what happened, accepting them for what it is, and then moving forward from there. And a lot of people don't have the tools to move forward. You know, and again, like we talked about, the VA system is not set up to assist these people with the tools. And, you know, it's funny how many people think that they're going through things alone. Hmm. Yeah. 
You know, it's, you know, and it's, you know, because you're not alone. There are things that you can, you don't have to go out and do jujitsu. You don't have to go out and fight MMA. You don't have to do any of that. You can go, shit, I knit. You know what I mean? You know, that's what I do for fun. And guess what? There's a group for knitting. You know, if you look up Golden Doodle dog (laughs) on then, you know, hashtag Golden Doodle, you're going to find a hashtag, you know, Golden Doodle, you know, social media is there. You know, unfortunately, a lot of people. You know, again, feel like they're going, you know, going through this alone. And if you're a veteran and you listen to this, you know, like my name is Marcus Daniels. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me anywhere, bro. Just reach out, you know. And like I said, I'm here to talk. I'm here, you know, to, you know, to go through, you know, help people go through life, you know, and deal with these things. And, you know, again, it, you know. Some people turn to alcohol because alcohol because it's easy, you know. Some addictions, you know, whatever the mm-hmm. addiction is, you know, um, addiction could be TV, addiction could be you know drugs, could be alcohol, could be sex, could be whatever, man. Like that is addiction. You got to realize that you're in that state and why those things are causing it and where it comes from. And and that's it's easy for me to say, but as you're going through it, you might not feel that. So you you really gotta. Okoka, you know what I mean, or Oakok for some of you newer age people, you know, you really have to look at your environment and and figure out what are the obstacles, what are some of the barriers, what are some of the avenues of approach, you know, what are some of the things that are going on, how are you different than you were a year ago than when you were in the military, and what are some of the things that have changed, you know, and then write those things down and write those things down and then realize, okay, this might be a factor. And then in a month from then, write it down again and then write it down again. And so then you start to see that, okay, this is the same thing that keeps going on. These are the things that I need to fix. All right. And then, you you know, like I said, and if you once you fix it, then the compound effect of, of changing those things, you know, it'll compound. And again, like you said, it'll like for you, the example that you and your brother, you know, like my brother was in the military for four years. And he stuffs a lot of stuff. He's angry. I, in my opinion, I tell him he's angry. I'm like, bro, you're angry. You need to go see the VA. Like, legit. You need to. And he, he still, he has segregated himself. And he feels like he's the only person out there going through whatever he's going through. Mm-hmm. Because of guilt. <clears throat> Probably because of shame. You know? But, again, you got to talk to people. And So, if you're a veteran out there, man, go talk to somebody. Yeah, there's really nothing. What's the saying? There's nothing new under the sun. No matter what it is you you are going through, somebody else is going through it. And I think that's one thing that social media has really shown. I remember watching this show about uh, this guy who's a big Star Trek nerd, like 30 years ago. And he's at home making models and his own fake uh, phasers and things like that, just completely alone. Well, then he goes to a Star Trek convention and realizes, oh, no, there's hundreds of people like me. Whatever it is that you're interested in, there's a group of people just like you that want to do it too. It just takes the effort of going out. And like you said, alcohol is the easy answer. It's so much easier to sit at home, get drunk or, or numb yourself. So you don't have to deal with those things. It's very difficult to sit back and say, Oh, this is my issue. Oh, I'm angry. That's a problem. I'm taking it out on my wife, on my kids, on myself. I need to do something to deal with these feelings so I can move on and have a productive life. Because if you don't, those voices will come back. You can't run away from your problems for the rest of your life. They will catch up with you. And that's right. You know, and that's totally right. You know, I, I, when you're by, you can't go through it. Like, again, you, you know, in, in basic training, you were taught to 
Always strive with a battle buddy. Mm-hmm. So then why are you dealing with it by yourself, you know? That's, that's perfect. That's beautiful. You know? And so, like, and so, like, we look at it, you know, and I like to call, like I said, I have battle buddies, but also, too, man, I have ranger buddies. I have, you know, I have people that I know that are, aren't ever going to let me down, you know? And so I tell you guys that, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I just had a thought, but, but I, we're past that already. We're growing. And so, like, look, uh, you know, the bottom line is that, you know, just reach out. Again, there's a community for everybody. There's a community for everything. And so, you know, um, yeah, man, just get with your veteran, you know, get with your VA or, or find find somebody like, you know, Nate and, you know, just... Bro, talk. I mean, there are people, many, plenty of people willing to listen. I'm definitely one of those people. And, yeah, I just want to say thank you for, for letting me get on here and just, you know, talk and just get stuff out, man. Because, you know, I just realized that I have some stuff that I have to go back and, and you know, just reassess. And But I feel like I, you know, like I said, again, just talking, I, you let things go when you just get a chance to just speak your mind, you know. Um, yeah, man. Thank you. Take it, that's it. Nothing else to share today. <laughs> All right, brother. Well, thank you, Marcus Daniels, so much for being on here uh, and sharing your stories. And the door is always open to you uh, for Vet Speak and my house, whatever, for, for any occasion. Uh, and especially, I'd love to have you back on as a Vet Speak guest as you figure out more things or have more stories that you want to share. Because I think these things are so important from the, the hard chargers, the war fighters, to Tony Shuck, who worked at a fueling station. It's, it's all part of the whole and everybody has things that they've seen. They have things that they may need to talk about, may need to deal with. And the only way that we're going to do that, the only way we're going to progress is by talking to the people that are actually in the military and, and find out what you need, where you've been from. And, and I like your ideas. I like the way you think. So thank you so much for being here and sharing your story, my friend. Yeah, Appreciate it, Nate. Thanks, thank, you for, thank you for bringing me here, man. And like, it's been awesome. Thank y'all. Best beat. Tommy Cage fighting this road. <laughs>